Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Ginny. I'm Allie. And today we're talking about uh, the Buffy episode Beneath You and the Angel episode called Ground State. But yeah, uh, how are you? Long time no talk. I know. It's been the whole three days. (laughs) The whole three days. Everything has changed. Just kidding. Everything well, is exactly the same. If you ask my feet, yes, everything has changed because mm, I okay. I hiked like twelve miles yesterday, so mm. they're in a whole new world of pain. <laughs> um, I did work a lot of yesterday, <laughs> and Aww. it was annoying. <laughs> and we cleaned up all the construction dust, and that also took forever. But it feels a lot better. I uh, think I talked about this when we were recording, but that just there's been repairs in our in our apartment. It's lasted. A couple weeks, I kind of thought it wouldn't be that long. And I just forgot how dirty, like how much construction dust is really a thing. And like, it's just like our whole apartment is like the whole room is covered in dust. And it's just driving me nuts. So like, they're still coming back tomorrow. But I was like, can we just like clean up part of it? And then like, I have a bunch of plastic sheets and and like things that I've used for like painting drop cloths and stuff. So I was like, let's just at least clean up some of it, like throw some sheets over it. So that when this is all over, it's like a little bit less work. So anyway, yeah, it kind of wasn't my ideal. I love cleaning from the ceiling. No, just over the like, like over the pieces of furniture, like we have a bar. And so it was like, it's easy to kind of cover that up. Like I'll still have to clean all the floors, but I think at least I'm shoving a lot of things onto the tables and then covering them so that it just won't be as bad. Anyway. I like cleaning, but like the, between that and like work, it was just like genuinely not my ideal Saturday, (laughs) but now it's Sunday and I, it's pretty much the same things on the agenda today. Mm. So not an ideal Sunday either. No. That's the price to pay for short weeks though. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Um, anyway, so your feet are in pain and my brain is in pain. Yeah. And then, but Buffy was pretty good. I think this might be a rare week where maybe I liked Angel more, but I think we got to talk it out before I commit to that. Yeah, I, um, I again, kept up the surprising streak of liking the Angel episode. So I don't know yeah. if, like, maybe this, the writers, we like, watched season three and, like, took notes, but it's also, well, like, yeah. better. Also, I didn't notice last week, but Connor's in the credits. Oh, yeah, I didn't even notice either. So Vincent Carthizer is a regular, mm-hmm. which I forgot. <laughs> um, okay, well, would you like to talk about Beneath You? Yes, let's talk about Beneath You, which is not the episode I thought it was, thank God, <laughs> although now I have to watch that this Just week, next so. week, yeah. Just postponing my, uh, my, my trauma. Um, but this is, because the beginning of this episode is like Buffy has... Well, actually, the beginning of this episode, I want to talk about this very briefly. It's very clear what year this episode came out because everybody was doing their Run Lola Run like Mm -hmm. ripoff, including Alias and Buffy. So um, this is the Run Lola Run episode of Buffy, (laughs) which (laughs) opens up in, um, I think it's Berlin or somewhere in Germany, this girl running. There's like techno music playing. She's got the pink hair, everything, to the point where I actually thought Buffy was supposed to be watching this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and no, it turns out she's another girl running from these hooded men that we saw in Istanbul in the last episode. They also stab her. Buffy wakes up. So it's clear that Buffy has in some way 
had a dream about this occurrence. At the end of it, the girl kind of turns to her and says, from beneath you, it devours. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also a catchphrase that we hear throughout this episode. Like, there are omens that something is coming. Spike drops by to kind of tell Buffy something bad is coming. She says, I know. So he basically confirms her dream. So everything is coalescing where everybody has an idea something bad is coming. Mm-hmm. Well, in this episode, From Beneath You, It Devours, turns out to actually mean this worm creature that is like running through the ground of under Sunnydale causing earthquakes, basically looking like something out of Dune. Like, mm-hmm. it's just this giant creature. And we see it first where this girl is walking her dog, and unfortunately the poor dog gets eaten by the mm-hmm. demon. Um, she runs into Xander, like, immediately after. Xander is like, okay, well, come with me, and takes her to Buffy's house where they're trying to figure out what's going on. Um, they take their much-diminished gang at this point to go mm-hmm. figure out what's going on at this is a, also the point when spike shows up so buffy and spike go to investigate where the monster actually came out of the ground and xander takes the girl home buffy and spike kind of have a not heart to heart but a, a chat about the state of things um mm-hmm. there's repeated allusions to spike's raping buffy and spike is also Dressed differently, acting a little bit nicer, but also just kind of all business with Buffy. And they figure out, like, nothing's there to see, like, the monster's long gone. And the monster is long gone because as Xander is walking this girl back to her apartment, flirting with her, like, about to get her number, the monster shows up again. So they start to figure out that it's probably after her. Mm-hmm. Um She starts talking about her ex-boyfriend. Xander puts two and two together and realizes, hang on, this is probably a result of a vengeance demon. Um, So they all go to the bronze where where Anya has been keeping office hours to kind of confront her about, did you turn this girl's ex-boyfriend into a worm? And she says, yes, (laughs) with the added embellishment that not just a worm, but a slug-off demon that is a giant worm monster thing. So at this point, Buffy and Spike start arguing um, because I believe Anya realizes that Spike has a soul. Spike is clearly trying to deflect this information. Mm -hmm. Um, He and Buffy start punching each other. They both leave. Um, After Xander realizes that the girl has, I forget her name, has also left the bar. (laughs) So they have to like (laughs) run after her. Xander's trying to convince Anya to please turn this poor man back into a man. Yeah. um, Which she does right when Spike is about to stab the demon. So he ends up stabbing the man. Not mm-hmm. fatally, but it's pretty bad. Um, and Spike, who has actually been somewhat together throughout this entire episode, considering what we saw him in, as last episode, has like another mental breakdown mm-hmm. because he's harmed a human, basically like spirals down, starts talking to himself again. Buffy again kind of looks at him like, can't help you. Like, what are you mm-hmm. doing? But she does follow him. She finds him in the cemetery and he's like talking to himself all this stuff, and throughout all of his mutterings, she realizes, like, he's got a soul, and she leaves him basically hugging a cross in the chapel. Yeah. 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 So, I um, think we got a lot of what we wanted out of this episode. We did? Well, what did well, we, we want? Well, we wanted to know more about Anya's journey. True. That's true. I, um, yes. That's probably the only thing we got. And then we also wanted... Well, I don't know if we wanted more Xander, but we we also <laughs> wanted to kind of have Buffy, like, I guess, re 
reevaluate Spike or not reevaluate him, yeah. but like confront him and like what's going on. I also forgot to mention that she starts her new job at the school. Oh yeah. Um, and it's clear while she's there that part of the reason she took the job was to go into the basement and check on Spike, who mm-hmm. is nowhere to be found. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I guess I was interested in the Anya stuff. I I mean I was interested in everything, and I definitely like overall. I think. I'm again, I'm also very curious of like, I think this is going to be the overarching reaction to season seven is just a big, like, uh, aggressively mediocre. Was that what you said when we were talking before? About- oh, aggressively, like, okay. Okay. Like, it's, <laughs> it's not bad. And I'm having a hard time exactly articulating why it just, it's not completely gelling for me. I think, I think, okay, I think the big, like, not quite elephant in the room, but sort of, is that, frankly, this whole Spike situation, I just, you know, I hated it in season six, and we talked about it a lot in the moment when it happened, but I think what I wasn't expecting is, like, now having spent so much time ruminating on it and thinking about it and sitting with it and just being really unhappy about it, I'm still unhappy about it, and I hate that it now... I. Like, that it's still having an effect on the way I view these episodes, which is fair. You know, like, that's how I think good TV should work. But because it's a decision that I was so unhappy with, it's just, it's, I don't enjoy watching him and Buffy have to go through this, which is, like I said, on the one hand, I think it's kind of fair, but I think it's just, it just really brings forth the, like, kind of duality of the show, which is that it sort of takes place in the real world, whereby I think this would be complete grounds for dismissal. But it also is a TV show where we don't write out main characters and where he really does have this alternate, per- you know, not even alternate personality, but, like, he's a completely different person now that he has a soul. I just, it's just so complicated, and and I don't like spending time with it. So, to me, I, I appreciate it, and I think they're doing their best, but I still don't enjoy it. I agree with you. It's kind of this awful, like, elephant in the room that they didn't actually have to introduce. And yeah. so I'm still questioning their rationale for that. But that said, I will I will say that now that they, they've done it and we're in this reality yeah. where Spike is still on the show and they're trying to deal with all of this, that I do appreciate that unlike maybe the direction other shows might take is that the show hasn't forgotten that Spike tried to I agree. her. Yes. And I also appreciate that that fact was said out loud yes. more than once in this I episode. Agree. And I was like, if we have to live with this, at least you're doing it in a responsible manner. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and yeah, no, I agree. And I do like feel Xander like says it, Buffy says it. And it's like, and Dawn and, makes a reaction to it. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the fact that like Buffy also like calls Spike out on his attempt to kind of like, you know, euphemize it a little bit. And she's like, no, that was not what we call this. Like that was attempted rape or something. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate that. I guess I appreciated that, but that's, I guess. But it is, a, it is frustrating it, that we even have to have them have that conversation. I agree. I, I just, it's also hard though, because then we get to the end of the episode and it's just so clear how much he's suffering. And I hate that they're making me feel sorry for him. But on the other hand, cognitively, I know that we feel sorry for Angel when he goes through the same metamorphosis. So like, I think that's, I think that's the part that for me, I, 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 I think that those vinyl scenes, like he does a great job acting them. I think it is a nice gesture. It's just tough because they're really putting me in this situation where I feel like I, not, I, I don't feel like I have to feel bad for him. I do feel bad for him, but I don't want to do that. So I guess well, it's just like, that's where I'm like, oh, I don't, something you know, what's I, going on? <laughs> 
I don't remember if we talked about this last season, but something that I was thinking about, especially because they even bring Angel up in this episode, like Spike mentions, like that's how Buffy kind of figures it out, right? Like right. Spike is like, Angel didn't warn me. Yes. Um, but I wonder if the reason it's more difficult to separate Spike's actions from his past versus what we do with Angel and we've always done with Angel is the way that those actions were portrayed while an entire season of Spike being a soulless vampire but he's still professing to Buffy that he's right, still capable right. of love and these feelings despite the fact that he doesn't has a, have a soul the, just despite the fact that he is a vampire and that all of those like the rape and like everything happened while he was in that state but yet still he and the show insisting that he could feel these emotions even without a soul like i i think the problem is that then him having a soul yes in a way he's a different person but his personality isn't necessarily But his that personality different. and yeah. everything, like, while they're, because they were so strongly insisting that that had nothing to do with it, like, right, right. soul just, doesn't absolve him. And so right. I think that's the problem, is, like, with Angel, the, and we talked about this a little bit, is that yeah, we have definitely the disconnect talked about this. where, like, with Angel, the, the storyline has always been that Angel and Angelus are different people, and the marker of that, like, the delineating line is the soul, and that yeah. Angel with a soul, Angel without a soul, clearly two different people. They've never made that argument with Spike. In fact, they've seemed to have made the opposite argument, and that mm-hmm. makes it incredibly difficult to say, okay, you have a soul, I absolve you. It's more like, you have a soul, great, so what? Like, yeah, yeah, and it's really unfair on the one hand, and I, I so, whatever, yeah. I'm not, I'm not like, mad, I'm not, I mean, I'm mad because I'm mad at that one, you know, I'm mad at the, that the uh, I was going to say episode, but I meant like the incident, Um and I need to get over that because we're here and we're going to keep doing this. So uh, that's fine. I just, I guess I just meant, I mean, really my big takeaway is that like, I appreciate narratively that there's fallout from it, but me emotionally, I'm not really enjoying having to still sit with the fallout. When So I guess that's kind of where I'm at. I don't so, think it's bad. I don't think they wrote him poorly. I think if they're doing their, you know, I do think that they're kind of giving him a fair shake as best as they can now to kind of recover that ground. Is that like, well, we really see how tormented he is, whereas we don't see that too much for Angel. So like, maybe they're trying to kind of mitigate it a little bit, but it's just hard. It's just, at the end of the episode, I was like, I really want to enjoy this scene and I'm totally medium on it. Yeah. Because I'm conflicted. I, um, I agree. Like, it, it just does have the unfortunate effect of, like, undercutting everything they're trying to do with him, which I think would other like otherwise be extremely interesting. One thing I which, did find interesting, though, despite all of this, is that Spike didn't seem to want to tell Buffy about the soul. No, um, he didn't. Yeah. Like, he, when he came, first came to the house, like, he's, like I said, got new duds on, like, his blue sweater. His dyed his hair small, again. but looks great. Like, yeah. whatever. Um, but he also is clearly, like, trying to go out of his way to not tell her about it. Mm-hmm, um, I agree. Yeah. Well, and, and you mentioned that he and Buffy get in a fight, but he actually punches Anya first. Yes, because, which, and I wanted yeah. to mention this, because that whole scene seems really bizarre for Spike to suddenly, like, flip to this behavior until right. you realize how hard it is. He's just trying to deflect from the fact yes. that Anya noticed his soul and is about to say it out loud. Yes. So he punches her, and then Buffy punches him because he punched Anya. For no reason, and, or seemingly. Think, or, yeah. like, whatever. And, so, and he's punching Buffy back because why would Spike with a soul ever punch Buffy? Right, right. He's really trying hard crazy thing where you're like what are you doing but like then you realize like 
it's a desperate ploy to like keep this information. I, yeah. Well, I think the, and I think the other aspect to it, I definitely think you're right. I think also, you know, his, he do feel like he has some pretty telling language where he says like, well, the costume didn't work. And I think the costume is more than just his redyed hair and his blue sweater. He's also, I think he thinks that like, oh, if I just act like old Spike would, which is that he would kind of have no qualms about punching Buffy or Anya is well, really old Spike though, not season six or season five Spike possibly. <laughs> um, you know, that also if he just kind of goes through these older behaviors that he'll also kind of just fall into it. So I, I, th- I think he really, really was trying. Yes. Yeah. And to I think deflect right. and to be his old self and to just make it normal, but it's clearly not going to just well, be I, able to be brushed away. I think part of his old self was part of the costume, but I think especially cause we don't see the trench coat like that. Yeah. The other costume is also like new improved spike right, together. Right, right, who, right. Like can just function next to Buffy without like causing harm or like yeah. whatever. And like I think that's the blue sweater is like I yeah. think you're right, the dyed hair is like trying to be like old spike, but I think the blue sweater is like new costume, new improved spike, and I am together and I mm-hmm. can like and it didn't work. And then once um, that part falls apart, then he's like, Well, maybe even older spike where I'm just a jerk <laughs> and evil. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't want to say I feel bad for him. I did feel bad for him, but I also don't. So, <laughs> you know, he's getting his comeuppance. He, at the very least, he deserves what he's going through right now, I would say, however pitiful it might be. Yeah, so. although speaking of people confronting him, still loving the new Improved Dawn. New Improved Dawn. Man, she's great that, so far. Yeah. Yeah. And I love when he's like, when did your sister get so scary? And I'm totally. like, you mean, when did she just become less annoying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you strip away the annoying veneer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, so let's talk about the Anya a bit also. I guess I'm yes. really enjoying Anya. And I feel like there's a great uh, uh, hypocritical conflict there also, you know, which we've, I've brought up before about Anya and Spike specifically. And now they're kind of flung together in one episode where I'm like a little bit rooting for Anya, but also like clearly she's in the wrong. So I guess, you know, it's a lot of moral gray in this show or really rooting for characters who are definitely in the wrong. And that also Anya, even now, like is not getting the same treatment as Spike. That's true. Like, we're clearly being guided to feel bad for Spike. Like, he's mumbling to himself in a church and, like, hugging a cross and, like, basically becoming, like... He's self-flagellating. You know, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, like, we see Anya just struggling to, like, keep it together. And people are still telling her that, oh, well, the reason you have problems is because you decided to become a demon. Or, like, if you don't have friends, it's your fault. Like, yeah. that's not at all the same treatment. And, you know, this is a little bit carrying through from what we were talking about last time where you know, Halfrick is kind of giving Anya the the not so gentle news that she doesn't have any demon friends and her performance is lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is sort of a direct result of Anya trying to make up for that yes. and perhaps carrying it to its extreme in the other direction. And we do kind of see that she does have a sense of pride in her work, but she's mm-hmm. also still a little bit horrified that she did do this, especially when she sees the man at the end. Yeah. Um, but... I don't really love this thing where the show is kind of, and it's like, I don't think we're supposed to agree with the characters necessarily, but like the show taking Anya and Spike and trying to have us absolve one of truly heinous actions and, and then like just not feel the same way about the other one who 
I don't want to equate crimes here, but she did turn a man into a woman. I mean, but she did turn him back. <laughs> she's done a lot of other probably worse things, so yeah. I don't know. Hard to say. It's funny that you're saying that, though, because I guess maybe I just have such biased lens on already that, like, I really did feel sorry for Anya in this episode. I, I, I did, do, yeah, I but do, I don't think the show wants us to. I think you're right, though, because, frankly, the one thing that really turned me off in this episode was so you know Xander is like flirting with this girl and they're remnant you know she brings up her ex-boyfriend so he brings up his ex-girlfriend by which he means Anya of course and she's kind of talking about how like I mean her boyfriend was she is explicit that he was abusive and she's like you know that feeling where they are ruining every part of your life moving forward and Xander's like yeah I know and I'm like are you kidding me what you and Anya haven't even had any contact really since the wedding so I'm like I just really don't know what he's referring to and I think it was it was very much, the show was like really reaching to try and make us feel bad for Xander. Like in the, how we should feel about Anya is fine and one thing, but how we should feel about Anya and Xander. I I mean, I'm sorry. He's still the wrong. He's still ultimately in the wrong. Right. Well, I think that Buffy sort of pointed that out where he was like complaining about how it's been, you know, a dry spell and like, he can't get a date. And she's like, yeah, you know, cause that whole leaving Anya at the altar thing. Yeah. But Buffy didn't hear him say that other bit about how Anya continues to ruin his life. I'm like, no, what absolutely. is Anya doing to you? Nothing. You guys haven't even talked. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I guess I guess to, getting that impression to that point, I do think that the show is kind of trying to to really position Anya as a bit more of an antagonist to this to the Scoobies themselves. But yeah, I agree that like the show doesn't necessarily want us to feel bad for her, but I definitely felt her. Um, you know, yes, she did make a choice to get herself here, but now that she's there, I definitely understand the bind that she's in, which is that, like, she's still, she's not really free of either side of her life. She doesn't really fit in with either of them anymore, and she really has nowhere to go. I'm like, where was she supposed to go? And on the one hand, like, yes, I can judge Anya, a human, for making this choice, but if you had lived as a demon for a thousand years and then spent three years with Xander, it's like, I don't... I can't say that I totally fault her for saying like, well, I'll go back to that other existence, which has clearly taken up the majority of my time existing. I don't know. I mean, it's a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, whatever the show's trying to say, I do feel for her. I, yeah. I mean, maybe we shouldn't be sympathetic to either one of them, but too bad, I guess. Yeah. This is a shallow note, like a surface Mm -hmm. level note, but I, other the other thing I have been enjoying is the consistency of Anya's wardrobe since becoming a demon again. <laughs> we talked about this before, where she turned back into a demon and then was dressing kind of like a fifties. Like, <laughs> yeah, she's still she's still doing that. So it's just something I noticed because I really liked her dress. But again, not as deep as what you wait. Just said. But I did but. like this dress. I did not like her weird poodle skirt outfit last season. That was bad. No, but it's consistent. Like, okay, with the you know. Yeah, I guess so. Just kind of retro. Yeah, it was kind of (laughs) weird. Yeah. But no, I agree. Like, it's it's tricky at this point, and I don't quite remember where they're going with her. I don't either. Um, Well, I I sort of do, but I I don't know. I mean, I'm not mad that she's still in the show. I'm really enjoying her struggles. Not enjoying, but... That's good TV. It is good TV. And I guess guess with her, I don't have the emotion... Because maybe she wasn't the wronged one, specifically in the Xander relationship, whereas Spike was the wrong one, you know, the wrong one. I just used wronged and wrong, and that was probably not clear for audio. But suffice it to say, she's the victim in the um, 
Anya Xander relationship and Spike is not in the Spike and Buffy one. So it is a little bit easier, whatever they may really actually be guilty of in the greater world and in the over the hundreds and thousands of years that they've been alive, at least on screen, it's a little bit easier to for me to kind of feel bad for Anya. 100%. Well, okay, here's <laughs> here's a scene that I did love, even though I don't have any necessarily like uh, further thoughts about it. So, okay, this girl is walking her dog and gets eaten by this slugoth demon slash her ex-boyfriend. And she like kind of right away is like hitting on Xander or like enjoying this flirtation. I was like, your dog just died. And then like two minutes later, we're in the bronze and Xander says something or somebody says something about how it ate a dog. And Anya's like, oh no, a puppy. I was like, for some reason, I really enjoy the juxtaposition of this like quote unquote good character, like kind of not caring about her dog at all. And then like Anya, who is actually the perpetrator of all of this being like really sad about the dog. I was like, I don't really know what to make of this one way or another, but it was funny to me. No, I do love that they kind of call Anya out on that yeah, too. Yeah, they're, like, they're like, the puppy me? is yeah. what you care about? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that no. said, it's established that the boyfriend was an abuser, so hard to feel too bad for him either. I mean, yeah. I think the only qualifications he has for our sympathy is human. Yeah, exactly. Which, again, this show is frustrating the hell out of me with that. Like, we've I seen know. some horrible <laughs> humans that I refuse to feel bad for just because they're human. And I really, all it would take is like a line or two for them to just be like, oh, we used to think this. And now that we've lived for six years with demons, we know better. Like, I don't know. You can have growth in your mythology. That's okay with me, I think. Um, Okay. I don't want to hit, I don't want to hit this too hard because it's fine to, you know, we've agreed to disagree for the most part, but I do want to point out that this episode and the last episode both had moments that to me canonically in the episode established that Spike definitely went to get his soul back. Because when he was having visions at the end of the last episode and the mayor came to him, he was like, what did you think was going to happen when when you got it back? He said something not he didn't say when you got your soul back, but or actually maybe he did. I don't know. There was something there and then something in this one, too, in Spike's ramblings where I just felt like, oh, okay, he wanted it's clear that that's what you were doing. Yeah, you're correct. Okay. Oh, interesting. So you had this thought also. I did. Uh huh. Well, great. Well, because Spike now is going we on agree and on to about agree. trying to get the spark. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. I, I still maintain it's not obvious in the moment. Okay. Well, that we can agree to disagree on. But for the sakes of the rest of the show. Sakes, the sake. Yes. We can move forward knowing <laughs> that he did it on purpose. <laughs> huh. Okay. Well, I don't have much else to say. Um, I do want to talk about Buffy starting this new job. Okay. So it's really interesting to me, like, it's obviously a way to integrate the high school with the main character. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did wonder, like, at the very casualness of, like, Principal Wood just being like, oh, yeah, you'll figure it out. Like, yeah. <laughs> here's, here's your little cubicle, like, whatever. And I also was wondering, like, if the whole point is to get the students to open up to Buffy, like, she should maybe have a private office, just saying. That's true. Um, but, yeah, I, I did like that we're still checking in on that little scenario yeah well and you know yeah no i won't say anything else but yeah so it is interesting perhaps this isn't the most well thought out job offer or yeah are there other thoughts behind it obviously yes (laughs) um also so this whole starting thing of from beneath you it devours yes um this is a really interesting thing to me because i think 
purposefully, like, from beneath you it devours. There's a demon coming up from beneath them devouring Mm -hmm. puppies, (laughs) all kinds of things. (laughs) Yeah. So it, it is going to serve as kind of a false, like... Like it's um, done and over with. Right. Like a false solution. Like, oh, that mm-hmm. was the threat and it's done. But as we know, like. Right. It's going to mean more not. than that. But yeah. I thought that was actually really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Kind of a bait and switch. Yeah. Because why would a Slayer dream be happening about Anya's vengeance? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Just something I made note of, like, to see if they even show this in the show. If they, like, talk about, like, oh, we, we solved it. Because also the way... I feel like the scale should be obvious to them that it doesn't match up where Spike is coming to warn Buffy. She has a dream. Everybody's like, something's coming. Right. And, and it's that not just doesn't be that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't feel like they necessarily said, like, we did it. <laughs> but I, yeah, that is interesting. Certainly it feels like that as a first-time viewer, I would think. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Ground state? On to ground state. Um, okay, so I'm not necessarily going to do this chronologically the way it happened in the episode, but so we open up on kind of this flashback scene sometime in the 80s to this girl getting dropped off at sort of a mysterious, maybe school and kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, you know, she's kind of covered up, but it's also winter, uh, blah, blah, blah. What we find out is that this little girl is being dropped off by her parents so that someone will take care of her because she seems to have this or she has some sort of magical ability where she can conduct electricity or something. And so by the end of that flashback, we see that she accidentally kills a little boy who's like trying to befriend her. So if she touches anybody, it happens. Yeah. Uh, automatically, I guess. So she kind of like fries this little kid. Uh, so flash forward and she is now a like super sexy assassin, uh, who wears high gloves so that she doesn't accidentally electrocute people all the time. Um, I'm sorry, I said assassin, but I mean uh, just a criminal, I guess. Maybe she's an assassin, too. Uh, But she's been hired by Angela Chase's dad to steal the... uh, That's where I recognize I had to look it up. The Axis of Pythia, uh, which is some, you know, very valuable um, piece of arcana that's being held at an auction house. So... She is getting paid to do this, and then we can catch up with the Angel gang. So Angel is now back. He's temporarily dealt with Connor, and so he fixates next on trying to figure out what happened to Cordelia. Um, You know, he goes through all the work that Fred and Gunn have done, but clearly they haven't made that much progress, so his next step is to go see Wesley, as everybody's is when they're in a moment of need. And Of course, Wesley knows exactly what he's there for, even though Angel sort of poses it as being there for to offer forgiveness to Wesley. Wesley's like, here, you can have my file. This is what I know. You can go visit this goddess. I can't see her because I'm not dead. Blah, blah, blah. So Wesley, of course, has the answer. So Angel kind of follows the steps as they've been laid out. He goes to see this, I don't know, goddess or demon of the lost who kind of tells him that the thing that he needs is the axis of Pythia. So, of course, now he and this uh, Gwen Electro girl are kind of on the same path. So Angel and his remaining team, which is just Fred and Gun, <laughs> plan a sort of sloppy heist of the same auction house that Gwen is robbing. They run into her. Of course, she is way better prepared and way better at this. So she ultimately gets away with the axis of Pythia. I'm yeah. Uh, not without accidentally killing gun first. Uh, maybe not quite accidental. 
Uh, but she feels sorry for him and um, pumps Electro pumps him back to life. So Gun dies briefly before an act break. Um, anyway, so she gets away with the axis. So Angel's next step is to try and find her to get it back. Or I guess find the guy that she sold it to. So they end up both at that guy's mansion. It turns out he's going to kind of double cross Gwen because she's been too sloppy about everything. Or maybe that was kind of always his plan all along. So she and Angel kind of get trapped together. Angel helps her escape and then, you know, punch that guy. And then by this point, they've sort of bonded and she knows that he's the real deal. So she, I guess, lets him have the access or they're there at that guy's. I don't know if that was totally clear. She didn't really have it anymore. She already gave it to that guy. Um, yeah, so he finally gets it and then it sure enough does tell him where Cordelia is. So he sees that she's, you know, ascended as this beautiful goddess thing. And they all sit around talking about how beautiful and happy she must be. And then of course we see Cordelia who's like, you guys are idiots. Please get me out of here. I just want to say that the first scene of the episode made me think that I had started watching the wrong thing. Same. Like, no, I was, I was like, like Alex, did you hit the wrong did button? Blue, like, <laughs> yeah. put up here? No, same. I was like, this can't be right. And I was like, okay, we can't, I don't know. Yeah. No, it was a little strange. I thought it was kind of cool. I think, you know, this is, I think we enjoyed the other heist episode that they did. So maybe like, you know, kind of very structured, specific heists are like a good way, a good look for this show. And on the whole, I mean, Angel really already seems like a different person. And it's sort of bizarre because like he he's extra sad about Cordelia, but he seems like so much happier than he's been in ages. Like he was so much less annoying this episode than he's been in. I don't even remember the last time. You know what I mean? No, he does seem weirdly upbeat considering he's trying to find his lost love. Yeah. I mean, but that said, like, I'm here for it. This is how he should always be. He's unbearable the other way. So, like, fine. I guess it's like because he's been sitting there for three months, somehow he's got a new, fresh perspective on life or something. Yeah, um, maybe. Not enough to really approach Wesley or Lauren correctly, but we can talk about that separately. But yeah, I but think I thought that's just his general ineptitude. Yeah, I thought the I thought the heist ep- element was fun. You know, Gwen was a little bit of a cliche, I think, but I also kind of enjoyed her. Um, she was totally a cliche. She walked in in that outfit, yeah. and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess I don't love Gwen, but I didn't. I I mean, I liked having you know a little monster of the week sort of for them. Some, I a liked foe her. Of the week. I did not like the show's choices with her. I think I did not like, like the weird kiss. We the can, weird kiss, I don't, they never explained why no, that happened. No, I, yeah. I don't like the outfits that they put her in. Like, it was all very cliche. The kiss made no sense. And it they made never no really sense. went back and revisited That's it. That's really what I wrote. I was like, wait, this doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, I thought they were going to say it was like some, like, mind control thing from her electrocuting him or like, but they never, or maybe the, the I think it was the, like, thing, temporary. But, like, they never, like, yeah. I thought, I kind of feel like the implication was that it was, like, because he was temporarily human, he just, like, gave in to these baser instincts or something, but, like, that's such a stretch. I don't know. I just really didn't buy it. No. It was really dumb. It was. Um, but generally, I sympathized with her. I yeah. I mean, it seems like she was failed by everyone. everyone. Um, okay, like, number her one. Her powers were cool. Oh, uh, yeah. First, out, out the gate, in this flashback, her parents drop her off at this, this school. It's clear they... they, they 
they, they make reference to like, oh, they've made a sizable donation, which is why they're taking her and they've made special accommodations. But like literally within minutes of being there, the teacher's not watching her unless her touch another kid. I'm like, OK, so what are you doing? <laughs> like, yes, that is a complete failure. <laughs> yeah, I but the Gwen element was interesting. Um, I actually thought the character interactions in this episode were really well done and really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I agree with you that let's talk about Wesley. Yes. I think. Angel does fail in his approach with Wesley. Like, he has this, like, cavalier approach of, like, hey, we're all cool now. And it's, like, you literally, like, exiled Wesley from your friend group. You tried to kill him. (laughs) He got his throat slit. And nobody, you, like, basically got everybody on your side to, like, never go visit him and, like, totally, like, exclude him as well. So, like, you were the driver for Wesley losing everything, like, after he made this bad decision. But, like. Yes, I agree. To go back and be like, hey, man, it's cool. Like, that's just, like, well, a horrible approach. And obviously, it's all in service of getting information (laughs) to get Wesley to help. And, like, Wesley knows it and, like, hands him the thing he wants. And, like, I've never been prouder of Wesley in that moment. Same. And he's like, here's the thing you're really here for. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because, I mean, I can't for the life of me remember, like, if I'm ever really going to get the satisfying apology that I really need from Fred Gunn and Angel, like I, I kind of am doubtful that we're really going to get it, but I, I do appreciate that at the very least, Wesley still is so, he is so perceptive and he really does know what's going on. He knows he's owed an apology and a huge, a bigger thank you than he gets for like all of the work and all of the effort and all of the self-sacrifice that he did to get Angel back, to do all these things sort of to make up for his one mistake, but more mostly because he just knows that it's right. And like, he's going to do it. So I don't know. I, I appreciate that. At least Wesley doesn't fall for their BS, even though I'm not sure the show is really going to give us the closure that I personally need in order to move on with my life. <laughs> Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, and the other thing that's really frustrating is, like, they make this idea that, or this this case, that Fred really stepped up and, like, took over the leadership while everything was, like, everyone Falling, was gone. Yeah. But, like, if that's true... He didn't true, have like, to she, be gone. I mean, they make illusions that they tried to reach out to Wesley, but, like, Fred could have been the one person to get Wesley back in the fold. And, like, well, she didn't, so... Even if she did make gestures, she was the one that went to the hospital and kicked him while he was yeah. down. So it's like, I don't know, guys. I really... You guys are not in the right. And they made another reference to Lauren, too. And I was like, you guys are just so selfish. <laughs> yeah, it's like, really they're still blaming f- Lauren for not coming back, and it's like... Again, like I said last time, he owes you nothing. Yeah, and yeah, his life was in danger staying there. He's finally getting the, like, adoration that he definitely deserves and merits. So, like, leave him alone. Don't drag him back into your dark nonsense. Um, But I also like seeing that Wesley, we're kind of seeing, like, Uh, it might not be the team that he wants, uh but, like, he is capable of building out a functional team on his own as well. Yes. Like, he's got a fully operational, like, like group that's like taking out demons and, yeah, like, and they're all clearly respectful of his command. He's like, a good leader. Why would he come back? Yeah. <laughs> why would he? And you know what I loved? And I meant to say this, like he, we've kind of talked about this before, but I think this scene especially is like, we have finally come full circle where he is demonstrably a rogue demon hunter. <laughs> you know, yes. I'm like he is rogue. He's gone rogue from like the mainstream, I guess, which is angel investigations. He's out on his own and they are like legitimately hunting demons. And like, I loved it. I was like, oh my God, this Wesley is the perfect Wesley is out moment. there living his dreams. He is. Why? Why? I just want, yeah. I mean, he just deserves everything and I love him. And I also still love his interactions with Lila. Same. Because she's like kind of boasting about her promotion and telling him like, oh, I know <laughs> yeah. that you lied to me. And he's like, yeah, so what? Yeah, like, he's not Whatever. Care. <laughs> 
And I love it because he's like, yeah, of course I lied to you. Like, it's just, yeah. I, he's also no nonsense with her as well, which, and I still like really like them together. Yeah. I don't know if we're supposed to, but I do. I think so. Um, I think they have like a good chemistry at the very least. Yeah. And I knew that Angel was going to call them out for it, or at least Lila. Like, when he's like, I can smell you all over each other. And it's like, yeah, Angel, yeah. What, what right do you have to say anything Exactly. About I know. I got really mad at that too. I was like, what? Okay. And also that Lila did seem to react a little bit to it. I was like, first of all, it is none of your business. And it has nothing to do with the situation at hand. Like, it's not like, oh, I... You know, you know, I don't know. It was like he was there to bother her about Connor, not about anything else. I'm like, her relationship with Wesley has zero to things to do with you. So stop, get out of it, you jerk. Ugh, okay, I'm still really mad at Angel. He owes me an apology. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> uh, I mean, I will reiterate that, like, he was so much more watchable in this episode that really is just, like, an aspect of him not being quite so dramatically dreary all the time that just, like, makes him a better character. So, like, while I am so mad at the decisions that he's making, I'm not, like, it's not painful to watch him. I actually enjoyed watching him. I thought, you know, I like watching him be heroic and do his heisty thing, even when they're kind of flubbing it. Like, all of that was super fun. But yeah, I mean, he could be less of a like slut shamer to Lila and also just stay out of it because nothing to do with him. Yeah, I agree. Okay, but the other interaction that I actually really liked, which I I appreciate for what it was, I'm still not 100% with this pairing, but the Fred and Gun. Yeah, like, no, I agree. I actually really liked because Me too. we see all these people heaping praise on Fred for stepping up, keeping everything together, and, like, not at all acknowledging how difficult that must have been for her. Yeah, I agree. And, like, we see her kind of exasperatedly, like, yelling at Gunn, like, you almost died, and then what's the point of all of this? Or, like, what am I doing? Or, like, really kind of betraying the stress that she has been under and we see little moments of it where like he's kind of trying to compliment her ghost and she's like I haven't slept like you know and it's like this like this like unawareness that they have which is not at all surprising the way this group interacts with each other but like not at all acknowledging or noticing like that the true effort that she's having to put in for this and like gun briefly dying is like her breaking point where she's like you're throwing away my hard work and you're not addressing this as the big deal that it is and also like acknowledge that I yes have been doing all of this but it's been difficult (laughs) yes yes I totally agree and I think Amy Acker was great in that scene she was and you know you're right about like I don't know if this relationship (laughs) I think the reason that we're both a little bit iffy on it is because they wrote all those terrible love scenes but I actually think so I mean in the two episodes we've seen I think their relationship has been totally fine yeah I'm like oh now I understand that like yeah you guys are a little team and you have this you know you may have your little jokes together and you also do all your work together and like it's it's nice and it's touching yeah it's just the sappy sappy scenes that made it so cringeworthy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we still get a little bit of that, where Gunn's, like, looking at her, and he's like, isn't she amazing? Like, well, it's well, like, yeah. like, must we? Yeah. But well, I wish I could remember where this is all going. I don't at all. Well, uh, I, I, well honestly, I know. like, because of the last scene, like, I was racking my brains trying to remember how Cordelia gets out of there. Me too. I don't remember. And I don't remember. Yeah. No, I'm, I mean, I'm obviously nervous about that, but. And I also cringed when Lila was telling Wesley about her plans for Connor and she mentioned like Mrs. Robinson oh. and I was like, oh no. Yeah. Like, <laughs> is this supposed to be foreshadowing? I don't know. I don't but know either. It 
I was just like, I don't, I'm like trying really hard to forget where this season is going. Yeah, me too. And it's, there's so much good right now. I'm like, I, you guys are so close. This is not the first time that I've said that though, where it's like, you, they get so close to like really getting it and like nailing all the characters and nailing their relationships and giving them good arcs. And it's like, it always falls apart somehow. Um, and I also like really wonder if the sacrifice of Charisma Carpenter is like already happening. I mean, I, th- I had that feeling. She's yeah. Just doing these little like one off, like, you know, quippy things at the end of every episode. And yeah. then I don't remember how long she's back before all the nonsense starts. I don't either. Yeah. No, I had that thought too. And actually it was funny because at the end of the last ep- the first episode, I, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe Cordelia only got to be in that one scene. And then later I was like, oh, well, I guess she was in all those flashbacks, but it just really didn't feel meaningful to me. It's like, I guess, yes, it's clear to me that she's missing from the show right now, even if she's there. <laughs> I don't know. Something about her being a figment of Angel's imagination in kind of these heightened scenarios was like not, it didn't register in me internally well, that, that like it counted. Due. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like, it doesn't count. At the end of the episode, she still is amounted to not being in it, even though she was there she was just there to offer motivation to angel. And that was like really unfulfilling. Um, okay. Here's my one question for you. And I don't, uh, this is kind of just a talking point. I don't really feel like it was, was a bad step, but I did think it was interesting. Okay. So the way that this episode sort of starts to end is that, you know, angel and Gwen are going to, uh, Angela, I don't know what that guy's name is, but Angela chases dad's house or whatever to get the, their money or their get the thing back or whatever. And they get trapped in an elevator together that he's engineered specifically to trap Gwen. So he like gasses them. She can't get out whatever, but like angel kind of did react with panic. (laughs) I guess again, it was maybe the like lingering, like emotions that he felt towards her with a kiss or something, but like he didn't, he didn't have to react that quickly. Right? Like he wasn't going to die in there. I don't know. It was just kind of funny. He's not going to let her die. I guess, but she still was pretty much a bad guy at that point. I don't yeah, know. but I, she's still a human. Yeah, okay. I mean, I bought that's, it. That's I just, how I read it. I bought it, but I just I did have to think about like, well, did it make sense? I guess like, so. We we don't see Angel just kind of leave people to die unless it's like when Angel's in a weird headspace and leaving lawyers <laughs> like in, a, in a wine cellar with Drusilla <laughs> yeah. and Darla. So it's not like he hasn't done that before. Yeah. But I think in this particular instance, like they kind of had bonded, and yeah. you know, he he kind of saw she was, where she was coming from, and and maybe he also thought without her, he'd have a harder time getting the access. And yeah, he maybe. was on a bit of a time crunch with that. True, at least it seemed like so. Okay. Yeah, I buy it. That's kind of how I read it. I yeah. think. She was going up to the penthouse that the guy told her about. Mm-hmm. Also, like, something that really annoys me um, in TV. So, like, in that scene where she met the guy in the bar and then she orders a drink. Mm-hmm. And then doesn't drink it. Yeah. I just, like, I hate that. Like, I feel like, especially because she ordered, like, a special order thing. Like, you're just wasting the bartender's time. <laughs> well, was she just trying to waste that guy's money, though? Probably. As, like, I a mean, weird she, power play. She burned his $12,000 watch. That's true. He deserves that. And then that. later said it was a joke. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, obviously he has the money, but, yeah. That's what I've got. Yeah, that's what I've got. I, I, I agree with you that I think Angel is on a rare Upswing, yeah. Yeah. And I think we've, I, I really do think we've talked about this, too. And now that I kind of said it out loud, I... I wonder if really the thing that Angel the show never gets right is story arcs. It's like big or rather like plot 
you know, big season spanning plot arc seems to kind of always be their downfall because it's like when they get into a really good groove of episode of the week, I feel like they do some really fun things where it's like, I'm not mad about a like heist episode that has like a little bit of character development and, you know, and confrontations in the background. Like I would watch that all day long. So like, it's just that they just always seem to put their foot in their mouth with this, the actual season long arc. Yeah. For the I most agree. part, not you know, season two maybe being the exception, but like, I don't know. It's just so weird. I'm like, why can you not just do this every week? And then like, in the last five episodes, you know, kind of tie it all together. I'm like, I don't know. But I wonder if like, it's because of the inherent flaw where they ultimately fail to do right by the characters. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's true. They just You're have right. the characters act in the service of the plot. Yes. Instead of like, letting the characters think lead about the plot. how these characters would create plot. Yeah, and I agree. Um, I think you can't have a successful arc if you're trying to slot certain actions in to make it happen that mm-hmm. have no real bearing on the like character that you've developed. Yeah, no, it's totally true. And it's just a, such a shame because they just have everybody in such a great spot right now, like narratively, that it does seem like it's just, you know, there's so many opportunities to like keep going on this path. Yeah, I agree. Okay, well, I'll enjoy it while it's enjoyable. Nevertheless, I liked this episode. Yeah, let's enjoy it before this season goes off the rails, because mm-hmm. we know it is. Yeah, and then I just cry all the time. I wonder, though, if I will surprise myself and actually find myself enjoying this season. Maybe. <laughs> because so far, the ones I thought I was going to enjoy, I haven't. So <laughs> maybe older and wiser me is just maybe a different fan of Angel. Maybe. Or our expectations are so low to start with that, like, it can't be as bad. That's a possibility as well. (laughs) Are we setting ourselves up for success? Yeah. (laughs) With low expectations? Could be. (laughs) All right. Next week. I'm so excited. Uh, Next week, we're going to watch Same Time, Same Place. No. Oh, my God. I can't wait. I can't I'm wait to send excited. you all Ugh, the screenshots. I'm still getting those spine shivers. All the screenshots that I'm going to e- just text to you separately. <laughs> I won't really it's do not, that. You know what? It's not the visuals. <laughs> it's the sound. The sound. All right. You're right. I'll just text you the sound. You're right. I don't have to listen. Can I hack your phone to make that your ringtone? <laughs> no, I can't. But it'd be amazing. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, would. the visuals are not great. Like the, He's the fast clicking. Yeah. Uh, Okay, well, I'm excited, though. It is definitely one of the scariest episodes, I think. It's like him and the gentleman are, like, the best monster design they ever do. He is the creepiest. He's so creepy. uh, Because the gentlemen, like, are creepy as hell, but they also are comedic, which I love. Mm -hmm. He is not comedic Mm -mm. in the least. Nope. Oh, my God. Okay, so same time, same place, and then an episode called The House Always Wins, which I have zero recollection of, but I see Lauren in the screenshot, so that's kind of promising. I'm assuming by the title that we're finally going to Vegas. Yeah, I think so, too. Seems exciting. Um, Okay, we're uh, to the end of this at, like, a reasonable time for (laughs) the first time in, you know, months. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, do you have any recommendations Three days mm-hmm. from the last time we recorded? No, it hasn't. I haven't had a chance. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I don't really have a recommendation, but I did refer in the last episode to how I was watching Sailor Moon, and yesterday while I was doing all this nonsense around the apartment, we did finish the, like, first major arc, which is 100% something that I watched when my mom had to take me to her office because, like, 
we had like a day off of school or something and like we didn't have anywhere else to go. And so like I really have this vivid memory of watching this like chunk of Sailor Moon episodes in the conference room in my mom's old office. Um, but I must have just seen I think this is the first season and the final arc is really the only bit of it that I've seen, at, at least in my head. But it was pretty good. I have to say, like the early episodes are really are tough. It takes a while for them to kind of get everybody together and to like, you know, the main character, Sailor Moon, is like a bit of a dawn. She's pretty irritating. <laughs> uh, but by, by the time the finale rolls around, I actually feel like they've given her quite a bit of growth. And it was like pretty... I felt really good about it. And there's also this whole bit... You've seen some Sailor Moon, right? Like, you at least know who the people are, or no? I know who Sailor Moon is. Do you know who Tuxedo Mask is? I've never seen Taylor, Sailor Moon. Taylor, Taylor Swift Moon. I, I, I almost I said almost Taylor said Moon. Misspeaking. Uh, you don't know who Tuxedo Mask is? I've never seen an episode wow. of Sailor Moon. okay. Well, okay. Well, then, all of this gibberish has meant nothing to you. But suffice it to say, there's a... You know, she's got a love interest, and his name is Tuxedo Mask, or at least one of his names is. And they totally, at the end of the uh, this arc, have a, like, Buffy Angel thing going on, where, like, he's become evil because he's been brainwashed. And then, like, at the last moment, she, like, restores his, not soul, but, you know, his kind of metaphorical, whatever the other mythology version of his soul is. She, like, puts his mind back where it's supposed to be, and then he dies tragically. First, spoiler alert, everybody dies and then everybody comes back in the next season. So it's like sort of meaningless at the end of it. But they just like they had a couple of interactions that really reminded me of the um, Buffy episode. I only have eyes for you. The one where she and Angel kind of get stuck in this like uh, mm. in that ghost story in the high school. Like there was some some episode of Sailor Moon that was like close to the end where like she and Tuxedo Mask had this confrontation, like really reminded me of that. And then, like I said, at the end, it's like she he heroically comes back moments before just to kind of save the day or save part of the, you know, big battle. And it was like really touching. So anyway, I really enjoyed the final bits of that arc, even though all of it, I can't, you know, in good faith recommend, (laughs) I would say that the end was pretty good. I'll probably watch a little more. There's like, there's a lot of it and I'm not, I'm not sure I really have it in me, but I really had, really, I was watching it up until it got to that part because I was like, I just want to see the part that I remember watching. And now I've done that. So felt good. Did that air before Buffy? I think it did. Yeah. It was the early 90s. I wonder if that's an, like, I like, I I had had that thought too. I do feel like they might have, I could definitely see either one of them influencing the other. Um, Hold on. Uh, I don't know. I don't know when it aired. Um, yeah, I think in the early 90s, 92, I think. Yeah. All right. I could see it being an influence. That said, it's a fairly, like, you know, standard kind of love story, and then they get put at odds for some reason or other. I don't feel like that's, like, completely original. But, all right. Well, that's what I've got. Okay. Um, so Sailor Moon. <laughs> yeah. Taylor Moon. Taylor Moon. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That was just a mis- misspeak. <laughs> okay, so what team are you on? Team Wesley, man. Yeah. He's going to have to real, really mess up or someone else is really going to have to step up their game before that changes. <laughs> I agree. Like, he's just in a league of his own right now. Yeah, he's better than everyone. Yeah. Hmm. Just operating uh, like a badass. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right, I'll talk well, to you next week. Yep. Okay. Bye. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. 
You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.